Well, good morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you are new, just want to welcome you. Glad that you've joined us this morning. And I want to give a special welcome to our college students. You guys back? You guys here? Okay. ASU, GCU, yeah, we love all you guys. Glad to have you back. If you're a freshman just starting college, we're glad you are here. Welcome to the journey that is college. I know for me personally as a pastor, my life was transformed in college. All right, I didn't go into college thinking it would be. I went into college searching for a lot of other things, if you know what I mean. Uh, But I, I found Jesus in college. Jesus found me in college. It changed my life. It's why I'm standing on this stage doing what I'm doing now. Now, not all of you will do that in the future, but my prayer is that you would have a transformational experience with Jesus while you were in college, that it would be way more than a GPA or a major or a next step to the, the, the success and the American dream that you have, have desired, that it wouldn't be just that, but it would be way more than that. It would be not just uh, external, but internal and eternal, and it would be centered on Jesus. That's why we exist as a church, uh, not just for college students, but for, for kids and adults. We want to make disciples of Jesus who love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. That's why we're here. Uh, we want that to be why you are here and, and get on that journey even while you're in college. So we're excited that you're here for that. One of the ways we help facilitate and equip that in you is uh, PBCPM. That's happening tonight, launching tonight for the semester. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock. It's actually at my house. Uh, so we'd love to see you later tonight. If you're a young adult college student, show up. You're going to get more details about that at the end of service. This will be just a welcome back celebration to talk about our summers, to cast a vision for this semester. And so uh, Samson Jayakumar, who was banging on the drums earlier, leads that for us and does a fantastic job. And so I'm excited uh, to get that started tonight with you and for you. If you are not a college student, you can still come to this. Our desire as a church is to be multi-generational and to see people who are older investing in the younger and people who are in further seasons of life who, who have kids or are married or have a job to invest in people who don't have any of those things yet, right? And so we want to see that intersection. So, man, just come. Just talk to these guys. Most of our college students, I think you guys would probably say amen to this, come to PBC, Phoenix Bible Church, because they want to be discipled. They want to be mentored. They want to be invested in. And maybe they haven't said that to you, like, hey, disciple me, because they're embarrassed or scared to say that. But they want that. And so would you, adults, would you take, uh, take the initiative and step out and say, you know what? I don't have everything to offer. I don't know everything. But I can ask a college student, how was your summer? Right? We can all do that. And then just go from there. So that's tonight, 7 p.m., PBCPM. Hope you'll join us for that. And today, this morning, we're starting week two of The Blessed Life. And so uh, there's a few things we're doing through this series that I'm excited about. One of these is a verse card. If you got this, would you hold it up? A verse card as you walked in. It has our first verse that we read today on it, and it looks really artsy and, you know, just helps you just get in a good state of mind mind as you start your day. And so we want you to take this, put it on your dashboard, put it on your fridge, put it on your mirror, somewhere where you'll see this. And and let me tell you why. Uh, We're going to do this each week during this series, a different key verse in the passage we're going through, all the way up to Christmas we're going to do this. And the reason why is it's true for all of us is that what we think about is what we care about. And what we care about, we will chase, we'll pursue, we'll follow. And the reality is, we said this last week, One hour on a Sunday of thinking about the truth of Jesus is not enough, is it? It's not enough. 
We need this before us and, and in us every single day. So this is our way to equip you in that. So don't take this and throw it away, right? Take this and put it in a frame. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your dash. Put it on your mirror and meditate and memorize the truth of Jesus Christ. We're going to do that each week during the series. The second thing that you got when you walked in is this bulletin. Uh, if you'll take that with me, let's do this together. Grab that, open it up to the inside. You'll see what's coming up and highlights and ways to plug in. You'll see a financial update. You'll see the middle section where you can take notes and really hone in on what God is teaching you this morning. You'll see a connect card where you can tear that off and write prayer requests and, and take your first step to get involved with our church community. And so we'd love for you to take advantage of all of that uh, this morning. But I want to to pay special attention to this insert. This insert was in that bulletin, and it has a special need that, that a way you can plug in and serve at Phoenix Bible Church. So I want to talk about that for a second just before we get into the sermon this morning. And to do that, I'm going to invite up Trevor and Leah Sefcek. Would you guys welcome them on stage with me? So if you, if you are new, uh, this is Trevor and Leah. They lead our setup and teardown team, and, and we're a, a, what's called a church plant. And so we're a new church, about three years old in October. And so one of the things, the realities of that is we meet in a school. I don't know if you guessed or noticed this. is not a church building, no steeple, no stained glass, right? We meet in a school. So everything that you walked into this morning was set up, and it will be torn down after the service. And, and we don't want that to be forever, but God has blessed us with this for now. Ultimately, we think our next step as a some type of 24-7 facility, probably a lease. And so um, we're looking for that. We love ASU prep, but there's a lot of challenges with this place. I'd love to tell you more about that, but there, there's beginning to be more and more challenges with this place. And so we have a, a realtor who's just said, hey, I'll take as long as you need to find a place and she can look. So I'm just not looking. And because we believe God wants to set up shop in central Phoenix with Phoenix Bible Church that we won't always be mobile or set up and tear down. So that's our desire. But listen, that may take a year. Uh, that may take six months. I'm praying it takes a lot less time. Uh, we need to give to that and pray for that. Will you join me in that? Uh, we want a presence in this city. But for now, we set up and we tear down every Sunday. And Leah and Trevor lead that team along with our production team. These guys make Sunday happen. And so I wanted them to just talk about what that looks like. What's a typical Sunday look like for you? How did you get into this? Some of those kinds of things. Yes. Yeah, so like you said, um, given the challenges that, you know, with the school and some of the, the storage issues that we have, generally we have to come in and we prepare the auditorium. We get signs out on the street so everybody knows where the church is. Um, that way when they're driving, they can find it pretty easily. Um, generally we have like a team of three to five. The goal is to have like six to eight. Um, and we got we actually got connected with by through Catch and Laurel. They uh, they reached out to us and just kind of connected. We went to dinner, and uh, they invited us to kind of come along and join in. And uh, that was kind of the foundation for our involvement with the church. It got us connected with some friends, and then it grew from there. We got to know some people, and um, it really kind of speaks to the community that PBC PBC values. And um, you know we love it. It's uh, it's difficult. It's hard work, but. Um, it's a good way to, to serve the body like you've talked about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we love it. We love to come along with people. Well, one thing, if I could just tell this about you guys, um, there was a time early on in our church, Lee was here, Trevor was not. And now you guys are here together. <laughs> They're married, right? In one year, you just celebrated yeah. one year anniversary? Yeah, I, I, uh, I just mentioned to Leah while we were sitting here, 
today is almost exactly a year since we moved out here. Well, I moved out here after getting married, so we just had our anniversary last week, and uh, it's weird. It's been a year, and yeah. it's almost to the day today. So. You made it. You're experts yeah. now in marriage, right. so if you've got any questions, <laughs> ask these guys. Smooth yeah. sailing. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I say that because Trevor's been in our church for a year. Leah's been here since the beginning, but honestly, there was a time, and I've told you this, most people didn't know who you were. I mean, not that you need to know who everybody is, but, but most people, I would say Leah, and they would say, I don't think I've met her yet. And, and now I think probably like all of our church knows who Leah is because she stepped out and served in incredible ways. And Trevor just stepped in a year ago and came in and didn't really know anybody. And what's that? I made him. Yeah, you made him. You just kind of gave him the kick that he needed. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, come on, I need some strength. Uh, but, but you guys have just jumped in, and people know you guys, and you've gotten connected, yeah. even though this wouldn't be your, your main passion. Can, right. can we yeah. say that? Yeah. It's not <laughs> your main passion, serving is but serving passion. is. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So what does that look like? You guys put out signs. What are some other things that you guys do on a typical Sunday? Yeah, so, you know, you look around the church, and really anything that you notice is the churches. You know, property is what we prepare in kind of, um, you know, hand-in-hand hand with the Connect team, the greeters. You know, we prepare the auditorium with the tarps, which are a pain in the butt. Um, but then, you know, the connect tables, the, the maps where all our community groups are, all of that has to get rolled out. Um, even recently, we've tried to come along with kids' ministry. We're not there yet. We want to be there. That's where we hope people will volunteer and join us. Um, we'd like to take on some responsibilities to allow them to focus on preparing the curriculum. Yeah. And so what that means for us is um, bringing out their items and their storage and rolling it out and just kind of making Sunday mornings easier for them and a little less stressful. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of that is just moving things from here to there and then um, making it presentable yeah. um, for people coming in. And what so, time would they come if yes, they wanted to help so, out? So uh, right now the, the time is 8.30. We come in. Um, Ideally, in the future, with that team of six to eight, we'd like 8.15, 8 o'clock, because production's here, everything gets opened at 8 o'clock, and that would kind of give us some cushion if uh, we're running a little behind or we're low on manning. Yeah. Um, but the goal would be to, eight, to be 8 o'clock, but right now it's 8.30. Okay. So. And if somebody wanted to help you guys, how often do they need to serve? What does that look like? Yeah, so um, generally, you know, we, our team right now is serving about two to three Sundays uh, a month. Um, so, you know, more help would be great having, you know, the Manning to generally space that out. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's two Sundays a month. If the more we have, the less it would be, the little easier it would be. Yeah. Um, so right now I would say two, two Sundays a month is the, the standard. So, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I wanted them to tell you guys this. We're going into the fall now, uh, and these guys have been going at this, grinding at this for a long time. In fact, if you're on their team and in here, would you just stand up real quick? Yeah, that's a good, that's a go. good illustration of why hey, we need people, yeah. Evan and Caitlin, uh, you guys can yeah, stand up. Yeah, you guys up. can thank yeah. them. There we go. We just, love our just college students, standing. Would you stay standing for a second? I just want to say something real quick. Um, these guys have, when I say they're grinding, it is a grind, right? Stephen, you should stand up. Stand up, Stephen. You're on this team. Come on. These people are so humble, they can't even stand up and, and be thanked. Um, it, it's a grind, and they're, they're here not, again, because... They're, when they had their dreams when they were little, they thought, I want to put out signs. That's not why they're here. Uh, what's true about these guys standing, what's true about these guys standing up here is they love Jesus and they want people to know Jesus, so they put out a sign, right? So they set up some things. And, and that's what I, I love about this team and what this represents. And so 
here's what I'm praying for. Here's what we've talked about is we're praying for five people to join these guys. Once a month, you can do it for six months, try it out, uh, get in this rotation and join them so more people can, can know Jesus and hear about Jesus. And so these guys, it won't be such a grind and they can do this uh, for a long time until we get a, a facility. And so uh, here's what you need to do to be a part of that. If you will take this insert, everybody got this insert, right? If you'll just take this at the bottom, you can fill out your name and email, that's sufficient, and drop it in the offering after the sermon and we'll get you connected with these guys and get you, hey, just come and see and, and realize what this process takes and, and get you involved in that. Can we get five people to do that? You don't have to raise your hand right now, but can you sign up and drop this in? And, and, and I just want to, now that you guys know this, maybe some of you didn't know this, can we just, can you hug these guys after the service? Can you thank them after the service? Can we give them an appropriate applause right now, please? Just thank you, these guys. We love you guys. Um, if you guys would remain standing, I just want to pray for all of you. Would you pray with me? Would you lift your hand uh, as a sign of support to these guys and pray with me now? Would you do that with me? Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this church that's made up of people. This building is not the church. It's not an institution. It's not an organization. It is the people of God, and it's represented by people like this, by Trevor and Leah and by all these men and women standing in the service right now. And God, we pray uh, that, that you would bring more people like that. Uh, not everybody has a passion to do this, but that we would see the need and we would step into that need. We would take this insert and drop in the offering and say, hey, I can, I can pitch in and do this once a month and help in a specific way. And so, God, I pray that you would raise up those people. I, I don't know who they're going to be, uh, but, God, I know just like Leah and Trevor, there's going to be surprise uh, blessings because they stepped out and put out a sign on a Sunday morning. They're going to meet people and get connected to others in the church body and, and do that through something like set up and tear down. So God, I pray just blessing over Trevor and Leah. I pray energy and just remembering why they do this and this team and these people that are standing, they would remember why we do this. It's to make disciples of all nations, to love God, to love neighbor. And this is one of the ways in which we do that. So Father, pray that you would help us take those next steps as a church. Thank these guys for doing what they do for your kingdom. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, guys. guys. Yeah. Well, hey, that, that's important to do. And what we're going to talk about today, I think, ties in really well to what is the blessed life. Uh, last week, we talked about some misconceptions of the blessed life. I think we could say the blessed life doesn't always look like physical labor preparing a church for a Sunday morning. But, but we would say, actually, if you really look biblically, that can be part of the blessed life. And so last week, we talked about, hey, as we titled this sermon, The Blessed Life, here's what it's not. It's probably not some of the things you read in Barnes & Noble. It's probably not the, the, the seven uh, steps for a blessed life or the recipe for a blessed life. Right? It probably didn't make the, the nation's bestseller list, that it may be something different than that. We talked about it's not always hashtag blessed. On Instagram, it's not always the, the new car or the material possession or your kid going to, to school for the first time. It's not, that's not always hashtag blessed. Right? There's, there's more to it than that, and we talked about that. Even just the word blessing, what it means in Scripture is happiness. But sometimes we get lost on that because happiness for us is just drinking a, a hot chocolate at Starbucks, right? That makes us happy. 
And so really, the Greek compound word in the text, in the text we're going to look at today, is not just happy. It's exceedingly long or profound happiness. That it's much greater than what we put on social media. It's much greater than what we see in Barnes & Noble. That it is a profound, lasting happiness that fulfills us. It's internal. It's eternal. And sometimes it is external. And so that's what we're diving into as we talk about the blessed life. And I know for me this week, uh, neither one of those definitions of the blessed life was true, right? And the reason is my wife and I just started this diet called the Whole30. Have you guys heard of this? Yeah, somebody is excited about it. I don't know why, but uh, my wife got the book. Uh, so we've been successfully brainwashed into this uh, by now. We're six days into this thing. And, and essentially, here's what, all you need to know about Whole30 is it's 30 days of eating whole food. Genius, right? Um, and it's basically eating protein, fruits, and vegetables, and no carbs, no preservatives, and no sugar. So basically, no fun, right? <laughs> and, and so we've been brainwashed into this. We're six days into it. We're irritable, and we're hot, and we're just like, we're making it, right? But, but my life, I wouldn't describe it as blessed this week. And one of the times where I would say this uh, describes it the most is... One night uh, this week, we actually went and prayed for our city and on Tuesday night and prayed with some other churches. And we're coming home. It's late night. We got all our kids with us. It's like 9 o'clock, and they need to eat. So we stopped by Chick-fil-A, a taste of heaven <laughs> or torment for us in the whole 30, right? And so I almost quit on the spot. Let me just tell you that right now. As we're in the drive-thru and I smelled the, the goodness of Chick-fil-A, I almost just said, Jay, we're done. And, uh, but I didn't, and so we let the kids eat the nuggets. And we can't have nuggets because they're cooked in peanut oil. Long story. But we come home, the kids eat the nuggets, and we're just eyeing them the whole time. Just like, you going to eat that one? Um, and, and, but I was given the task of putting the nuggets away in containers, and so listen, there was one moment, and I'm putting the nuggets, I needed a mask, right? Like, I'm putting the nuggets in the containers, and there was one moment I literally was just like inhaled. I just, I just needed to smell them, right? I didn't eat one, I'm okay, I didn't eat one, but I just needed to smell them because I wanted those nuggets, right? I think all of us have been there at one point in time if you've done a diet. Um, but as we look at our text this morning, Matthew 5, 6 through 8, Jesus paints a picture like that. that, that he uses this language that, that we're going to hunger and we're going to thirst for something. And when you think hunger and thirst, don't just think like, oh, I could eat, right? That, that's not the language he's using, that in this day, people knew what it was like to be hungry, right? that there was a, a desperation associated with a hunger, a thirst, that, that it would usually be for food and for drink, and food and drink, that's what sustains us. That's what helps us live and function and be sustained in life. And so it's not just a, a casual thing like a hunger and a thirst. It's a craving. Like you want to inhale it. You want to go after it. That's the picture Jesus paints. But he doesn't talk about food. He doesn't talk about as glorious as they are, chicken nuggets and Chick-fil-A. Right? He talks about something greater than that. You need to know. The target for the believer in Jesus, the target of the kingdom, which is what we're going to talk about, is not food, it's not drink, it's not success, it's not pleasure, it's not your job, it's not the GPA, it's more than that. There's a greater target for that craving, for that driving force of our lives, for that desire of our lives. And Jesus is going to get into that craving and that desire this morning. Matthew 5, look at the text with me. 
If you don't have a Bible, grab one around you. I want you to look at God's word uh, yourself. We'll have it on the screen as well. But we're going to see what we should hunger and thirst for. And the first thing we're going to see if you're taking notes is personal righteousness. We see that in verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This section of the Sermon on the Mount is called the Beatitudes. Beatitudes is just a Latin word that means blessing. So it says, blessed are, happy, profoundly happy, exceedingly long happiness is available to those people in the kingdom of God who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. And what we see is examples of what this blessing in these particular ways looks like. You see it in the text. Look at it with me. Verse 6, that if we are, are, are blessed... Hunger and thirsting for righteousness will be satisfied. That's the result. Verse 6, we'll receive mercy. Verse 7, we'll see God. Verse 8, that this is tangibly what it looks like to be blessed if we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And so as we sang earlier, there can be in this type of blessing, there can be blessing in the battle. Because if you can see God, if you can be satisfied, if you can receive mercy, your circumstances, your material possessions could be lacking, but you could be fulfilled and see God and receive mercy and be blessed, even if those other things are lacking. Do you see it? It's a greater picture of blessing. And what Jesus says is, blessed are those. All of these eight beatitudes that we go through in this, in this series, blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. You need to know that this blessing is exclusive. Not everybody will experience this blessing, right? That it's blessed are, are those. These are certain types of people that are blessed, and these types of people are citizens of the kingdom. The kingdom, a definition we gave last week, is the rule and reign of God. And Jesus, right, right before this, Matthew 4 says this and kicks off this talk of the kingdom in Matthew 4, and he says, the kingdom is at hand. And he could say that because he's the king, and he's here. And so it's at hand, right? And he starts to kick that off. And the rest of Jesus' ministry, if you'll notice, in the Gospels, he talks about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. It's at hand. It's near. It's coming because the king is here, right? And so we see this description of the kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, 107 verses, where we get straight from the source. Here's what the kingdom is like. Here's what it looks like to be blessed. I'm going to define that for you. The king describes the kingdom, Christ explains Christianity. So listen to me. If you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you need to read Matthew 5 through 7, these 107 verses. You need to always come back to this because we're getting straight from the source what it looks like to follow Jesus and lead others to do the same. If you're new to Jesus, if you're new to the faith, if you don't even know Jesus yet, if this is your first time at church, welcome. This is a great time to come because you're going to learn Christianity 101, kingdom 101. What does it look like to be a citizen of the kingdom? How can I be one of those that Jesus talks about? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This is a mark of a believer. This is a mark of the kingdom of God. And the first thing we need to realize about this is this righteousness that Jesus speaks about is not already in us. Right? It's not already in us. And so as I think about uh, movies that I watched when I was a kid and shows that I watched when I was a kid, one of the first questions I always asked was, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Did you guys ask that? 
my five-year-old son, anytime he's watching a show, he says, Daddy, is that guy good or bad? Is, is he good? Is he one of the good ones? And it's not just kids. We do this as adults. I know one of my favorite shows that's not on anymore is the show 24. You guys know this show? Maybe I'm dating myself at this point. I don't know. Uh, but it's not on anymore. Jack Bauer, look him up, you know, Google him, all that kind of stuff. Uh, this show 24, and, and the whole point of the show was to figure out who's good and who's bad. And it was so suspenseful. It took a whole season, a whole series in some cases, to figure out who's good and who's bad. And you would watch the show. I remember my wife and I used to watch it consistently. And we would look, and it was Jack's best friend that worked with him in the counterterrorism unit, CTU. Look it up. And we'd wonder, like, is surely he's not the bad guy? Not Jack's best friend. And we would look at it and be like, the director of CTU, that was kind of, is he, that was shady. Is he, is he the bad guy? Surely not. Like, who's good? Who's bad? Well, listen, as we look at life, as we look at our world, and we do this all the time, let me save you some time, some effort, some energy in this. As we look at our world, you know who's good? No one. We're all the bad guys, right? It's not just people in prison. It's not just the people you don't like. It's not just your in-laws, right? We're all the bad guys. Uh, none of us is, is righteous, Romans says. Earlier in this text, it says, blessed are, verse 1, blessed are the poor in spirit. These are the, the spiritually bankrupt that we all show up to a, a holy and righteous and loving and perfect God. Bankrupt. We're in the red. Our account is in the red. We have nothing, our spiritual assets that we can gather up and bring to the table. We have, we have none of them. Right? And so we're all the bad guys, which is why Jesus says we need a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Do you see it? This isn't already in us. But scripture says that we need a hunger and thirst for it. So it's not already in us. So how do we hunger and thirst for it? Well, uh, another thing you need to know is this isn't from us. Right, we don't find it from us. We can't look around for more righteousness. And so some of us say, say things like this. Tell me if you say some of these things. I need to work on that. You said that? I'm trying not to put myself in those situations. College students, this is one of my goals for the semester. So that? This is one of my goals for our, our kids. I, I'm struggling with this right now. I'm trying to do this better. Have you ever said those things? When we say those things, maybe we don't realize it, but we're looking to ourselves as the source of righteousness. And listen, that's not completely bad. You need to hear me say that. Practical guardrails in our lives are good. They're wise. When I was in seminary, somebody came alongside me and just said, hey, you know, discipline leads to habit, and habit leads to character. That if you can discipline your life and put structure in your life and put certain types of things in your life and start doing them, they become a habit. And as you start doing them consistently, they form who you are. And that's true. I'm on board with that. But the reality is we have to go back to that first step of discipline and realize that's not just up to us, right? The part of disciplining ourselves. Uh, Paul talks about this to Timothy. Discipline yourself for godliness. 
Right? It's not some self-help, self-talk, self-improvement. This is God-centered, Jesus-centered discipline. And so, so guardrails aren't bad, but they're just not the source of our righteousness. This is not already in us, but it's also not from us. But this is what we tend to do is look at ourselves for righteousness. Charles Spurgeon said this, old theologian, old pastor. He said, our eyes will not go upward to the Lord of themselves. We will incline to look downward, to look inward, or anywhere but to the Lord. Listen, if your pursuit of righteousness has the word self in it, you're doing it wrong, right? If it's self-help, self-talk, self-improvement, you're doing it wrong. That, that Hebrews 12 tells us we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. The reason it uses that language, fix, is because it knows what Charles Spurgeon just said, that our tendency isn't to fix our eyes on Jesus. Our tendency is to look inward, to look downward, to look around, everywhere but up. And so if you've ever fixed something on a point, you know, maybe the eclipse, right? You, you fixed something, you're like, I'm going to look at that. And you had to fix. It was perpetual. It was intentional. It was fixing your eyes on Jesus because he's our source of righteousness. Right? The reason Jesus can say can we, can we just be honest? This is a drastic claim by Jesus. Hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you'll be satisfied. You'll get it. How could Jesus say that? Because he's the source of righteousness. Because he's the king. Talking about the kingdom, he set it up. And so he says, hey, I set this up this way. If you'll hunger and thirst for me, fix your eyes on me, you'll be satisfied. You'll get righteousness. And it's not that Jesus didn't just uh, abstain from sin, right? As you think about righteousness, maybe you think of immediately your mind goes to some sin in your life, some lust in your life, some greed in your life, that desire for approval in your life over God. And you immediately think, oh, yeah, righteousness, I don't need to do some things. But what Jesus is, talk, is talking about is not being a monk, right? Not secluding yourself. And just abstaining from the world. What Jesus is talking about with, with righteousness is proactive righteousness. That he showed us this, right? That he loved perfectly. He showed patience perfectly. He demonstrated justice perfectly. So this righteousness that we desire, that we see in Jesus as we fix our eyes upon him, is not just abstaining from sin. It's not that small. And it's loving like Jesus, being patient like Jesus, demonstrating justice in the world like, like Jesus. And then we'll be, be satisfied. Blessed are these types of people, and they will be satisfied. Can you even imagine what that would be like? Jesus could. That's why he says this, right? Jesus could imagine a life that is satisfied, that is fulfilled, that is complete for someone who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. We see it in John chapter 7. He says this, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's why he says in John 4 to the woman at the well, come to me and you will find living water and never thirst again. That there's a satisfaction, there's a fulfillment in the righteousness of Christ as we pursue Jesus and long after that, the proactive, the abstaining from sin, the whole package, that there is a fulfillment in that. And with that fulfillment, fulfillment comes freedom. I mean, can you imagine? I think most of us long for this. 
Most of our world is longing for this. They may not say it this way, but we all want, we're all chasing that fulfillment, that freedom that comes with that fulfillment, that we might be able to, to go to work and just go all out in our endeavors and not worry about failure, that there's, there's freedom because we're fulfilled. I'm not defined by my paycheck or my job title. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Can you imagine what it would be like with your family and your friends just to freely love and serve them because your hunger and thirst is for righteousness, not their approval? Can you imagine what that would be like? I think about for my life. I mean, if this was true for my life, if I was fulfilled and satisfied by the righteousness of Christ, then listen, I don't have to care if you like this sermon or not, right? I can preach and go eat lunch and watch football, right? Because I'm, I'm fulfilled, not in you liking me or thinking this sermon was good or like, pastor, that was really effective in my life today. Whether you say that or you don't say that or think that, I can walk away fulfilled, Man, there is a freedom in that. There is a freedom in the righteousness of Christ that's available to us. Jesus doesn't paint this picture that can never be reached. He paints this picture because blessed are, this is present tense, this is you. And we need to step into rhythm with that by realizing this isn't in us already. We're not going to get it from us, but it is available to us and it's available in Jesus. So what drives you? What do you hunger and thirst for? Maybe a better question is this, what's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? What do you grab? What's the first thing you, you do when you wake up in the morning? What are the things that you, you think about, you find yourself daydreaming about? What are those things? What are the things that you're saving up money for? What are the things that, that you think, man, if I could get this, then I'll find happiness. Listen, Jesus says one of those things, a fundamental need just like food and drink for us is righteousness. The perfect love, peace, patience, kindness, holiness of God. Do you hunger and thirst for that? Blessed are you who do. You will be satisfied. Jesus set it up this way. The second thing we see is this isn't just personal righteousness, it's social righteousness. Look at verse 7 with me. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Uh, what you'll notice if you read the Beatitudes, I would encourage you to at least read them, that section 1 through 12 of Matthew chapter 5. Just read them and, and memorize them, not just the verse card you got, but put that before you, is there's a progression. Right? We started out the first week that we're spiritually bankrupt, that blessed are the people who have no righteousness on their own. In the next verse, that causes us to mourn things like sin and loss, things that aren't right with the world. And the next thing, that causes us to be meek. Blessed are those who are meek because when you realize you have nothing and that you're mourning over loss, you're humble about that. You're gentle about your status in life. And then that leads us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right? If we realize we don't have it, and it's sad that we don't have it, and we're not the source of it, then we go to someone who is, and that's Jesus. And so there's this progression, and it leads us to mercy. So righteousness is connected to mercy. And what may help you in this just briefly is there's three categories of righteousness in the Bible. 
that one of them is judicial. You see that in 2 Corinthians 5 when it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. That when you trust Jesus, believe in Jesus, become a citizen of the kingdom, you're declared righteous judicially. You stand as righteous before God, even if your life doesn't look like, but look like that. But there's a second kind, what we just talked about, personal righteousness. But it doesn't stop there. There's also social righteousness. That when we define mercy, we say it's giving people what they don't deserve. The people around us, the people in our world, that they don't deserve care and kindness, but we still give it to them anyway, right? We love, we show compassion, not because of what they've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. Are you tracking with me? So personal righteousness leads to social righteousness. Again, righteousness, you need to know this, does not look like huddling up in your holy huddle and staying as far away from the world as you can. Jesus goes right into it. Blessed are those who show mercy, for you will receive mercy. And so for my family, one of the things that's been a tension in our house recently is music. Because we don't like the same music. Right? My kids and my wife like a little bit more poppy, upbeat music, and I don't. I guess that means I'm just a mopey guy. I don't know, but I don't. And so we've been looking at music, and literally last, the other night we got in an argument about this because we went to a concert, and I was like, I didn't really like that as much. And, and Jaya was like, it was amazing, and the kids were like, it was amazing. And I'm like, well, Jaya, I don't want my kids to like music different than me. And she's like, well, you know, they're younger, like psychologically, their brain development, they need the kind of poppy sounds, like they're going to respond to that more. And so we want to direct them towards Christian music that's like that. And, and so I'm talking about that with her, and we're, we're literally arguing about this. And I'm like, Jaya, we're the parents. We can just tell them what music to like, right? We, that's, that's part of parenting, right? We just get to tell them what to like. And she's like, no, 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 we have, to, we have to bend to them a little bit and grow them up, and they'll get to our music taste one day, but but maybe not today. And so Saturday, the whole day, I went to Pandora and I picked the most poppy Christian stuff I could find. And I just put it on all day and my kids loved it. But listen, it was, there was a tension like you wouldn't believe in my heart every time I had to hit the thumbs up button on one of those songs. Because my conscience like wouldn't let me do it. Like it was just like, I need to hit the button because this is good for some other people even if I don't like it, Right? That mercy is like that, that you get to a place of righteousness personally, and you want that for others socially. That you want other people to experience the righteousness you've experienced, the love and the grace that you've experienced, that the blessed are those people who, who do that, who don't just lock themselves away in a closet and do what's best for them, that look outside to the world, to their family, to their neighbors, to our city, and show mercy even if you're different than me, even if you have different preferences than me, even if you're a different color of skin than me, even if you don't like the same things I like, righteousness in Jesus' kingdom is showing mercy, love, compassion to others. It's not just about you and what works for you in your Christian life. It leads us out to others. And Jesus says, blessed are those who, who live like this, who extend mercy to others. Why? Because this is the mercy we have received. Right? The only reason any of us are here today is because of the mercy of Jesus. 
So we extend it to others. That's, that's the social righteousness that Jesus is talking about. The last thing we see is authentic righteousness, that this all weaves together. Verse 8, he says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That as we talk about righteousness personally and socially, you need to know it's not look like you're righteous. It's be righteous. It's not just external. It's internal. It's pure in heart. This is the kind of righteousness that God is talking about, that Jesus is describing in the Sermon on the Mount. And listen, you need to know it's, it's not the way to the kingdom, but it is the way of the kingdom. We don't get into the kingdom. You don't need to listen to this sermon today and think, okay, personal righteousness, check. Social righteousness, still working on that. I don't really like people that much. Uh, authentic righteousness, well, I know that's not true because I know what's in my heart and I'm not righteous, right? Like, we don't just look at these as boxes to check as a way to the kingdom. Listen, this is really important, especially if you're new to this thing. This is the way of the kingdom, that Jesus and his perfect life, death, and resurrection, that he guaranteed your righteousness, that he guaranteed a way in the kingdom. And that if you've experienced that, this is just the rhythm that you walk in. Blessed are these kinds of people who are already citizens of this type of kingdom. This is the way of the kingdom. It's personal, social, it's authentic. And the only way we get that is through Jesus. This is the way of the king. And so how do we apply this this morning? We pursue righteousness as we pursue Jesus. Righteousness isn't just a character trait we develop. It's a person we pursue. It's not just a character trait. We try to, to be more righteous in our heart, in our head, in our hands. It's a person we pursue. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus uses this language later in the Gospels. We abide in Jesus. We abide in Jesus. And so we take these verse cards that we got this morning, and we actually put them on the dash and put them on our mirror and put them on our fridge, and you actually read it. You abide, you pursue Jesus, because it's not just a character trait you're going to stumble into one day in life when you get more mature. It's a person you're going to pursue passionately because you know him, because you're his. Right? And so if you are new to church or new to Jesus or new to the faith, you need to get this. You need to follow a person, not a trait, not a step, not a list, not religious rituals. You need to follow a person. You need to see his mercy, his righteousness, his pure heart, because he exhibits everything we see here perfectly. And the more you abide in him, the more you follow him, you'll be blessed. And so what drives you this morning? Is it Jesus? What do you wake up to? Is it Jesus? What do you go to bed to? Is it Jesus? And listen, I'm not saying we just quote scripture all day and, and never talk about anything else. What I'm saying is that you put on new lenses in life, that your success isn't the ultimate lens you put on in life and see everything through. That approval and people liking you, that's not the lens that you throw on. That your GPA, that your friends and your girlfriend, your spouse, the perfect spouse, your kids and their success, that's not the lens that you put on, not as the way of the kingdom and for citizens of the kingdom. You put on a different lens, and it's Jesus. It's the righteousness and mercy and blessing of Jesus. 
And we do that by abiding in Jesus, looking at his word, joining a community group, getting with other believers who say, let's, let's do this together. Let's experience this fulfillment together. Let's take steps in that this morning. Uh, we tell you a lot of ways to, to, to focus on Jesus, to follow Jesus. There's ways to sign up for that. There's ways to go to the Connect desk. But you need to know, ultimately, we can make it as practical as possible. But if your heart doesn't hunger and thirst for Jesus, it won't happen. Right? So maybe some of you need to pray this morning and ask, Jesus, I don't hunger and thirst for you right now. I don't, but I want to. As I studied this, as I prepared... I didn't say I have this down. You need to know that. I said, this is really, 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 really hard, but I want that. And so we need to pray for that. And we need to step out in that and take, have the courage to say, I'm going to sign up for something today. I don't even know what I signed up for, but it's going to be something that's going to stir my heart for the righteousness of Christ. Because that's not going to be found in me or around me. It's going to be found in him. Let's pray for that now. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for these men and women, I pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would just confess, even in this moment, that we don't sometimes, and we need you to stir us to hunger and thirst for it more. God, I pray that you would do that as we sing, as we, as we give, as we take communion, that we would see the righteousness of Jesus Christ and be blown away and mesmerized and overwhelmed by his love and patience and justice, and we would desire to see that in our lives. God, I just imagine what that would look like, and not, not just in my life, but collectively for us as a church. If we were to pursue that together, what would change about our lives and the city that, that this scripture says we would see you? We would see you if we live like this. So, God, I pray that we would begin to take steps in that direction today. And I thank you that Jesus already took all those steps on our behalf so that we can be empowered to do that this morning. Help us to remember that, celebrate that, and press into that as we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.